Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Beef Up Front podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Coyle, today joined by guest Kevin Walder in our first round reaction pod for the uh, NFL draft last night. I thought Kevin went uh, a lot better than I expected. It was a real smooth broadcast with the first virtual draft and everything because uh, they couldn't have it in Vegas because of the coronavirus. But I think it went well. Uh, there was no real mess ups, and I think I think it was a solid draft. And Definitely enjoyed watching. It gives me something to look forward to for the rest of this weekend. What were your thoughts? Uh, thanks for having me on, Ryan. I thought I thought it went pretty well. But, uh, no real hiccups. So it was good to have sports on again. So I was kind of looking forward to it all day and uh, looking forward to tonight too. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, first overall pick was Joe Barrow to the Bengals. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Barrow going one? and in terms of his immediate impact and his long-term future in Cincinnati? Right, so just in terms of him going number one overall, I think it was kind of expected by everyone, really. I mean, with the season that he had at LSU, I don't think he would justify picking any other quarterback over him, um, especially playing in the tough SEC. But um, in terms of his long-term future, I'm not as sold as a lot of other people are on him. Like, he put up really good numbers, but – I just look at him and I don't see like what he does. Like what is his it factor kind of like you can make the argument, Oh, he wins everywhere, but like Baker Mayfield won a lot too. And he's not doing all that great as the number one overall pick. So, I mean, I think they will be a better team next year than they were this year, just because they spent a lot of money in the free agency, uh, bringing in guys like Trey Waynes and um, they signed another um Vikings cornerback. I'm blanking on the name right now. But, um, Trey Wayne's or, uh, Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see him more in like the five to seven win range. I mean, I'm hopeful that he could be, become a very good quarterback. I don't necessarily expect it though. Yeah. I'm uh, just touching on what you were saying and how you don't really see like the it factor with him. Uh, from what I heard, it, his, his big thing was his ability to perform under pressure. Uh, against like blitzes stuff like that and in clutch situations he always seemed to step up but I agree like when you look at like other quarterback prospects like Lamar Jackson like he's a he's a runner he's a mobile quarterback like a guy like Andrew Luck he was a great passer who could extend the play like I agree with you that Burrow doesn't have like one of those elite trades but he does everything really well I think and I like I like the Bengals this year to have a solid chance especially with adding that seventh playoff spot, I feel like they could be an eight and eight type team. They have some solid weapons with if AJ Green stays healthy. You got Tyler Boyd. They got John Ross if he can put it together for a season. And they have Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard in the backfield still. So that's a good starting point. Uh, the Bengals' offensive line got better and their defense got better as well. So I think as Barrow grows and continues to become a better quarterback, it's going to be him and Lamar Jackson battling it out for years to come in the AFC North with maybe Baker Mayfield and whoever the Steelers take after Big Ben as their quarterback. That division's tough. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not sold on Zach Taylor at all. He isn't sure. Yeah, that's another good point. The uh, And the the, uh, the running game in has been inconsistent too. So Joe Mixon and Bernard are talented players, but Bernard's on his last leg kind of, and Mixon hasn't really panned out to what – what he could, but it, I agree. We definitely have to see going forward if Zach Taylor can coach. He kind of was in a bad situation last year, but 
I feel like this year will tell us a lot more about him, especially now that he's got his pick at QB. But we'll move on to our next topic, which is um, thoughts on Tua getting picked over Herbert to the Miami Dolphins. I like I like that pick for the uh, for the Dolphins. I wasn't expecting it. I, I thought Herbert was going to go. Um, from everything that I heard, a lot of the analysts were saying that they favor Herbert over Tua. But I personally think that Tua is a better prospect than Herbert. He's got a better arm. Uh, he's, I think he's a little more mobile. He's not as big, but I uh, I had him over Herbert in my in my quarterback big board. So um, a lot of people are concerned about the injury for Tua. I'm not like this isn't 1991 like Bo Jackson, like and he didn't even get it fixed for like a month afterwards. Like Tua has had the best medical care. Like I'm not concerned about that injury at all. From everything I heard, his medicals look perfectly fine. And they don't have to start him right away either. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick to play behind him, learn the ropes. And uh, I really like that pick for the Dolphins. Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, with everything uh, going around about Herbert going to the Dolphins at five, I kind of stuck to my guns and thought they would take Tua. Just uh, I feel like the whole Herbert thing was smoke screens. And I love it because I think Tua is definitely the better player. And I feel like in this league, to win, you're going to have to take a chance. Like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. He had all the upside, but he had a lot of flaws as well. That's why he fell a little bit in the first round. But they believed in themselves as an organization when it came to developing him. And look, look at what he, he is now. And another thing is, if Tua does happen to start the year, he gets another bad injury or something, or he's not looking like he could be the quarterback of the future just because he doesn't trust himself anymore because of his health, they have plenty of draft capital next year where they could move up Maybe you get a guy like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. But I, I believe in Tua, and I think as long as the Dolphins shore up that offensive line and find ways to protect him, uh, that's going to be the – they're going to be glad they made that pick over Justin Herbert. And they already started um, beefing up that offensive line with their yeah. picks. Yeah. And they have plenty of more I think they have, I think they have two twos. They have several more throughout the draft. I think they had like 14 total picks. So they probably won't wind up using all of them. They'll probably trade something. But as long as you continue to beef up that line, it's looking good for Tua and his future down in Miami. But one of the shocking things of the draft was first round, there's many running back prospects like DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, who didn't have their name called in the first round. Only one running back was selected, and it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. What are your thoughts on that? I wasn't surprised at the, num at the number of running backs that went off the board because from what, everything that I was reading in the mocks, there weren't a whole lot of running backs that I was – I know you had uh, Swift going 14 to the, uh, to the Bucks. I wasn't expecting anything like that. I was surprised that it wasn't Swift that came off the board first. I thought he was the consensus number one um, back in this draft. He could really do it all, catch, um, run. <laughs> He could, uh, <laughs> he can throw too. So, um, yeah, I really like Swift. Uh, I saw him a lot, Billy uh, Kid. But I do something to look out for tonight. I think that there will be a big run on running backs in the second round with guys like Swift, um, Jonathan Taylor, Akers from Florida State. So I don't expect those guys to stay on the board for long. Yeah, I was I was more uh, shocked than, than I feel you were. I had Swift to 14 to the Bucks, and I had Jonathan Taylor going to the Saints at 24. I could have seen 
either of those guys going to a team like the Dolphins or even like the Ravens or the Titans, teams who are run-heavy teams who kind of want to focus on that. And what we're seeing with guys in the NFL now is they're going to use these talented running backs up. They're going to kind of just run them into the ground and get their full usage out of them until that first contract expires. And if they're good enough, apply the franchise tag and not really go from there because we've seen the running back shelf life in the NFL has greatly diminished over the years. And I was thinking when teams like the Ravens or the Saints or even the Bucks could just draft one of those highly talented guys run him into the ground, use him as much as possible, and hope that championship window gets you a few titles with one of these guys leading the backfield. But I, but just on Edward Tolera, I wasn't shocked that he was the first running back off the board just because of his playing style and the way the NFL is these days. He can do it all when it comes to rushing and receiving. And he's probably the best receiving back in this class and a perfect fit for the Chiefs. Uh, I read something last night. It was one of the NFL Network guys on Twitter said he like asked Andy Reid about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and said watching him reminded him of Brian Westbrook and then Reid said this guy's actually better than Brian Westbrook so Brian Westbrook had a great career playing with Andy Reid so look out for Edwards-Hilaire to be a big time impact player and I agree with you I think Swift Taylor they're going to come off the board relatively early in the first round or second round and people might be trading up for them to get them yeah. but now well, just to, just to clarify that that throw comment that was a that was a reference to Friday Night Lights. If you aren't yeah. there, I've I've never seen him throw the ball. So. Booby. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, who do you think the biggest winner in round one was? All right. So, I have the San Francisco 49ers as my day one winner. I know uh, you don't think the same, but we'll get into that later. Um, I like what they did. I really like. They traded back, got Javon Kinlaw at uh, 14. I really like Kinlaw. I think he was – I think when this is all said and done, I think he could be one of the best defensive players out of this draft. Um, really good combine, really good measurables, like real athletic guy. Loved him in uh, South Carolina. So – and they traded back to get him, and then they used one of the – they used the pick that they got to trade up into the end of the first round and get um, – uh, IUF guy of Arizona State, and I think I'm not. I wasn't a huge IUF fan going into the draft, but I think that he found the right place in the 49ers. I think that um, Shanahan and his offense will be able to use him very well. Use his yak ability, yards after catch, uh, jet sweep, stuff like that. I think that they'll be able to use him very well. So, all in all, I think the 49ers were the winners. I was ready to say that the Raiders were winners because I really liked their first overall pick of. Uh, their first pick of Henry Ruggs, I thought taking him as the first wide receiver off the board was a good move. But um, then they kind of reached on their on their second pick, and I didn't really like them taking uh, Damon Arnett. I thought he's more of a second-round talent. So I decided to go 49ers. All right. Uh, my first-round winner, as much as it hurts me to say, was I think it's the Dallas Cowboys just because they kind of stuck to their board as they usually do and they go and they went best player available. Uh, I think that's one of the things the Cowboys can get credit for when it comes to the draft. They're never really drafting for need, but just talent to make their team uh, best as possible. And with an offense that has Amari Cooper freshly signed to an extension, Zeke on his new extension, um, you got Michael Gallup who's going to be there for at least two more years. And now you throw C.D. Lamb into the fold on a five-year deal as well. I mean, Dak Prescott has no reason but to succeed with that. 
And as an Eagles fan, I'm scared when it comes to covering that. Giants fans, Redskins fans should be scared as well. The rest of the league should not be wanting to play the Cowboys unless you have a strong back end or a strong pass rush. I mean, the the jury's still out on Dak if he's going to be an elite quarterback or not, but I think with these weapons around them and a playmaker like Lamb who can do it all, and especially when it comes to yards after the catch, that's going to be it's going to be scary. And I think if the Cowboys he might they might have to trade up to do this, but if they if they feel like they want to do what kind of like the Bucks are doing and go all in on offense and kind of play shootout style with Mike McCarthy, they should seriously consider trading up in the second round or if he falls on the board, taking tight end Cole Komet from Notre Dame uh, just to complete that offense. That would be I think the Cowboys and the Bucks would be probably the two most feared offenses in the league at that point in the NFC. To go, to go along with the Chiefs in the AFC. But I think the Cowboys and taking Lamb, especially not allowing him to fall to Philadelphia, that was that was the big big pick of the first round, I think, and that's going to help them going forward. Do you think that Cowboys offense will be able to win in the cold? Yeah, they have Zeke. Fair point. And they still have the great offensive line. Another thing they might want to address is the center spot, though, because – Travis Frederick retired their yeah. all-pro center this offseason, so that's kind of a hole right now. But the Cowboys have strong, shown strong developmental skills when it comes to their offensive linemen over the years, and I wouldn't be too nervous about that if I was a Cowboy fan. But so who – after we talked about the biggest winner from round one, who would you say the biggest loser is? I decided to go with the Green Bay Packers for my biggest loser. Um they went with uh, Jordan Love, quarterback. Not really high on Jordan Love. A lot of people like to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I think that's pretty ridiculous. A, a, a comp that I have that I think is more um, more on the on the dot is Brett Hundley. Him. I, th- yeah. I think that's a pretty pretty fair comp. That's um, what my magazine actually said. That was really? his comparison. Yeah. So I think they could have used this pick to – try to add weapons for um, Aaron Rodgers, and instead they just picked his replacement. I don't think he'll be too happy about that. Uh I was going to go Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Didn't really like their pick of A.J. Terrell, but I decided to go um, with the Packers. Yeah, one one statistic I saw during the draft that I thought was crazy that was – the Packers' last first-round pick on an offensive skill player was Aaron Rodgers, and I believe that was in 2004. So going on 16 years now, where I, I believe they've taken a few offensive linemen, but never a skill player to go there. Jeez. So Aaron, or Jordan Love, I mean, the Packers, I guess, are hoping, especially with LaFleur as the coach starting off, he'll still be his second year, that they can kind of follow the program that they did with Favre and Rodgers back in 04. But my loser uh, was actually your winner. I, th- I said the 49ers just because I don't think they got that much better. I mean, you trade DeForest Buckner, who you were going to have to pay eventually, but you're in a Super Bowl window right now. You have a win-now type team, and you trade Buckner for basically Javon Kinlaw. I mean, after trading back with the Buccaneers, they picked up like an extra mid-round pick, but – you have an all-pro type player in DeForest Buckner, and you get rid of him for a more developmental prospect in Kinlaw. So I don't know how much that helps you or makes you better. 
And then at the same time on the board, you still had your option of Jerry Judy or CD Lamb if you were the 49ers. And they decide to wait until their second first round pick and take Ayuk, who I think is a good player. I like what you were saying, how they're going to be able to get the most out of his ability. But I feel like Jerry Judy or CD Lamb with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo would have just been a better fit. And they could have taken a defensive lineman later in the, at the end of the first round, a guy like maybe Marlon Davidson or A.J. Epinetta, uh Ross Blacklock, guys like that on the D-line, your turn, Gross Matos even. But I feel like they kind of, they kind of reached and they, they had like their order flip-flopped. I think they should have gone receiver and then lineman later in the draft. And I don't know how much better they got, especially for a team who, like I was saying, is in win-now mode, was in the Super Bowl last year, you should be aiming to improve your team and kind of going all in. I guess the 49ers are kind of building this with a long-term approach, but I think they could have had a better first round. And then just another honorable mention team that I didn't really like was the Lions taking Akuda. It's kind of like the same thing that I was saying about the 49ers. I feel like it was a lateral move. You trade away Darius Slay and you put in Akuda. Like, how are you getting better there? I mean, you're getting younger, but are you really getting better? And especially for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, who were told they should make the playoffs this year or they're probably going to lose their jobs. Don't really seem too confident if you're, if you're a Lions fan right now. I think that the 49ers may have had their eyes set on Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. And because I don't think they expected him to go to the, to the Raiders. And then Raiders. once they did, they thought, oh, we could get a similar style player in Ayuk later all like granted not as good but then that's it that's why they decided to uh to make a move for yeah i could definitely see that being the rationale there but now we'll move on to the hometown pick um jalen was jalen rager a reach and do you think he can make an immediate impact so twitter was not a very good place last night if you were a philadelphia eagles fan um a lot of outcry over the pick of jalen rager a lot of people. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, they picked a second-round talent in the first round." I don't necessarily think that that is the case. I think that Jalen Rager was not getting out of the first round. I don't think he was getting past 24, to be honest. I think that the Saints would have picked him if he was still there. Um, if the Eagles didn't take him, and then also I think you saw the 49ers trade up for Ayuk. I think that would have been Rager if he was still available. So I don't necessarily think he's a reach. He people are people are up in arms about him running a. Uh, a four four seven at the combine, like he's not a four four seven player. He ran at his uh, at his unofficial pro day. He ran a four four two, a four two two. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying he's a four two two player, but I'm saying like he's not a four four seven guy. Um, he was clocked. I did you see the stat? He was clocked. Um, last twenty two. Twenty two point six miles per hour. That's fast. Yeah. Any NFL player was clocked last year. So he fits the Eagles' need. And their need was for a speedy outside receiver. And a lot of people are upset because they didn't trade up for Lamb. And a lot of people are upset because they didn't draft Justin Jefferson. I think if both the, if both those players weren't available, people would be much more happy with the pick. But just the fact that Lamb went to the Cowboys and the yeah. people people – People see Jefferson's production last year and think, "Oh, why didn't they pick him? He's not, he wasn't a good, he's not a good fit in my opinion." 
I think Rager is a much better fit. I think he can make immediate impact with his speed. And he's just a, he's a freak athlete, too. He's a 42-inch vertical. Watched a lot of Big 12 ball last year. I'm a Texas fan. TCU had a terrible offense. They're a quarter, I could play quarterback for TCU last year. So, um, if I, I'm a, I'll, I'll go on the record with this. If Jalen Rager was on LSU last year, Jalen Rager would have been one of the first three wide receivers that came off the board. Probably one of the first two. I think, he, I think, I think he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. Drops it a little bit. I think that may be a little over-exaggerated with his quarterback and his offense. So I am not upset with the Jalen Rager pick. Yeah, I want to give you credit when I asked you uh, yesterday if you wanted to hop on and do this. You actually said, yeah, sure, I'd love to react to the Jalen Rager pick. So you're kind of one of the first people to uh, you and Elliot Shore Parks. Were the, yeah, I have, I, have my, I have my ear to the wall over there at the yeah. NovaCare Center. I, yeah. I had a good idea uh, they're going for. I definitely agree with you at the fact that if Jefferson, if Jefferson was off the board, I think people would have been much happier with the pick. But I feel like everyone had their mind so set on Justin Jefferson that they were upset that they took Rager instead of Jefferson when he was on the board. And especially considering how Lamb was falling and how he didn't want to move up to get him. But I feel like also, if you knew, if you knew that the Vikings were going to take Jefferson, why not call them and say, listen, we'll move back with you if you want to come up here and get him. And you could have picked up even a, another mid-round pick just because they were picking at 22, kind of just how the 49ers did with the Bucks. And a, and a good point that you kind of were touching on, but I'll, I'll kind of elaborate on, I think if Rager went to a team like you were saying the Saints or the 49ers, I think a lot of people in NFL circles would have been a lot more excited about that just because of their – I think they have a better track record when it comes to – receivers and explosive playmakers the last explosive playmaker we had our that drafted was Deshaun Jackson and that's over 10 years ago now so I feel like no matter what unless it was one of the big three receivers and rugs uh, lamb Judy or even uh, throwing Jefferson I think any Eagles fan was going to be upset if they took a guy at 21 and didn't trade back but I mean are you really surprised that Eagles fans are upset I mean we never really seem seem happy with anything I feel like even if we even if we did take Jefferson we could we, they would have been complaining saying you could have traded up and got a lamb or something like that but as an Eagles fan and I feel a lot of Eagles fans they're just not very confident in the draft pick just because of their lack of developing receivers and prospects like this uh, over the years but he is that speed he is that threat that can do it all with the ball in his hands that the Eagles need and I would like them to. I would like to see them maybe even round two double down and get KJ Hamler or Denzel Mims uh, from Penn State and Baylor respectively. That would be a lot of speed, and I feel like that would make fans feel better, kind of, because if you got two guys like that, and you're more likely to to bank on one of them developing. If one of them doesn't pan out as well, you kind of got another guy waiting in the wings there. Eagles fans should be happy that Jalen Rager ran a 4-4-7 because if he did not, the Eagles would not have been able to pick Jalen Rager in this draft. So you're going to die on that hill that um, Rager's 
good I'm pick. putting I'm putting all my eggs in the Jalen Rager basket. Wow. All right. Uh, a few more things to touch on before we're done here. Uh, offensive prospects that you were surprised that didn't go in round one, you could see being a day two steal. Uh, so like for this for this segment, just pick a guy that you saw in a lot of round one mocks that didn't get picked off the board. Uh, I'd go I'd go T Higgins here. I he wasn't in a ton of mocks in the first round, but I think he's a first round talent. I think um like if you excluded his, this year's season, I think he would have been definitely a first rounder in last year's draft. Um, he's kind of a do-it-all. Like He's got a, everything you really want out of a wide receiver. People um, knock his speed, but I don't think – if you watch him on the tape, it's not like – you don't watch him and say, oh, that guy's slow. So I, th- I think T. Higgins, I was surprised he didn't go uh, in the first round. And I think in a couple of years from now, when we look back on the wide receivers in this draft, T. Higgins will kind of be that guy where they're like, Oh, he, he kind of really had all the tools. I don't know why we didn't really see it. But he was yeah. a good uh, NFL wide receiver. Yeah. The only reason why he fell was because of his uh, 40 time. People didn't like his speed, but he tore it up at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, and I think teams are going to regret passing on him as well. But my pick for this segment would be DeAndre Swift. Uh, I had him going to the Bucks all along, but I think it, that's still a possibility for them now. I think he would still be a great fit in the second round that they could get him, especially after getting Tristan Wirfs and addressing the tackle position round one. I feel like they're definitely going to go with either a running back like Swift or Taylor, maybe even J.K. Dobbins, and then take a or take a receiver uh, like Mims or Hamler, one of the more like uh, shifty like inside speed guys like that. So, but Swift, I think is the best running back in this class and. Maybe even a team like the Dolphins. I think they're picking at 39. If you get Swift to go with an offensive tackle in Austin Jackson, uh, QB and Tua, and they got a solid corner, Egan Nagaway or however you say his name from Auburn at the end of round one, that's going to be a great uh, first four picks, I think. And Dolphins are definitely building a, a solid foundation down there in Miami. And I feel like Swift is going to, He's going to carry that chip on his shoulder and kind of make people regret passing on him in the first round. But with that being said, who would be your defensive prospect that you could see being a steal that didn't go in round one that was kind of projected there? Uh, I kind of have two. So they're both cornerbacks. I have uh, Christian Fulton from LSU and Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. I saw a lot of mocks where one of them or both of them were in the first round. And – they're, they're both just good like, SEC cornerbacks. I don't think that either of them will necessarily, like, become a bust or anything like that. I, I have Trayvon Diggs, my number one one. Uh, I think he kind of – he was shooting up the ladder in, uh, in the mock drafts leading towards the draft, and I was surprised that he didn't go number one. I saw somewhere, like, he was in the early 20s. So I was surprised that he didn't get drafted yesterday, and I think he'll get his name called pretty early uh, today. It's not yeah, my guy was another Alabama player as well. I had um, safety, Xavier McKinney. I think he would have been a perfect fit for that last pick for the Dolphins. Uh, they wound up trading back but to, from 26 to 30. But instead of taking the corner from Auburn, I think they should have taken McKinney just because they, they have those strong corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard already. I mean, you need three in the NFL, but safety, they let go over Shaw Jones this offseason. I think McKinney would have 
been a perfect fit in there. Just another Alabama player with SEC experience. Uh, a great overall player can kind of do it all. I've seen some comparisons for him to Malcolm Jenkins where comes to he can come down in the box. He can play deep center field. He can cover guys in the slot outside even. He's got good cover skills. So I think that's a player that a team's going to be very happy selecting. I could definitely see him going within the first five picks of the second round. Maybe even to a team like the New York Giants who need some help on their back end. I feel like McKinney could be a strong pick right there. But who is your favorite offensive prospect that you could see getting picked on day two or day three that kind of is, I'm not going to say flying under the radar, but not as hyped up as the day one first round guys? Yeah, so this might be a little bit of a homer pick. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm a big Texas fan. And we've all heard about the top uh, top five wide receivers, six wide receivers. But one guy who I think is flying under the radar, who I really like, is Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver from Texas. Um, I watched a lot of Texas games over the years, and they've had, they've had some really good wide receivers. And um, uh, Duvernay, they got Johnson. They have, um, uh, what's that guy, Humphrey. Um, who got drafted last year. So I think du- Duvernay's always just been like that tough guy, good hands, plays in the slot. Like he's your go-to wide receiver if you like you need a tough catch. So he's he, like those third down, got to have it catches. He'll give you those. So I I, uh, I like Duvernay. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of people talking about him as a sleeper guy who is ex- pretty explosive with the ball in his hands too. Like he can make some plays after the catch. But my pick would be uh, quarterback Jacob Eason from Washington. I just think he has – he's right up there with Justin Herbert as the most, like, raw talent in the draft. Uh, he has some things to refine. But I think if he gets in a good system with good players around him, I think he's got all the tools to be a very good quarterback. My ideal landing spot for him – I had this in my mock draft – would be, I think, at, I believe it's pick 44 or 45, owned by the Colts. Uh, you get him in there, you sit him behind Philip Rivers, learn from a real pro's pro for a year, maybe even two, and then kind of take over the reins uh, with Frank Reich. You got T.Y. Hilton down there, uh, who's a go-to receiver, and kind of an organization that I think is going to be on the rise in the coming years. They're building that team right, and you get a future franchise developmental quarterback in Eason. It's like six six, big, strong kid. He's not that mobile, but – He's a very good pocket passer, and that'll fit Frank Reich's offense really well. And Eason is just an intriguing guy to me. I think that he could wind up being one of the better quarterbacks out of this class up there with Tua and Burrow. I kind of even like him a little more than Herbert, but I wouldn't put I wouldn't put him like that far above uh, Herbert, but I kind of see those two as neck and neck, and they're very similar players in terms of their size and their strength and their, their arm talent. But uh, You're down on on Herbert, aren't you? Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't really see it with him just in terms of – he's got the talent, but I just watching Oregon and watching some videos on him, he never was really a guy who trusted his talent to his full extent, I think, and kind of developed more as the years went on. Because he would have he been the first overall pick if he had gone out last year, a lot of people said, and mm-hmm. he kind of fell. You saw that, so – he didn't really get much better, and you don't really know what you're getting from him. He's an inconsistent guy, and he, but Eason is also inconsistent. So that's where I think both those guys could 
benefit from developing behind good pros like uh, Philip Rivers with the Colts and Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers. But to, to wrap up the show today, who is your favorite defensive prospect that could get picked on day two or day three? Yeah, so we actually touched on this guy in our, in our last podcast um, when we were debating safeties for this upcoming draft. And I went with Ashton Davis, the safety from, from Cal. Um, I don't think he's really gotten the hype that he deserves. He's just – when I look at him, he's just so athletic. Like, I would love to have a guy like that on the Eagles. Um, like, guys like Chin and uh, Winfield Jr. are getting ranked ahead of him. But – I think I think Davis has all the all the tools that you're that you really look for. He's a track athlete, um, like he's big, he's long, bigger than these other guys. So, um, if the Eagles could somehow get Davis in like the third round, I would love that. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen because I think they have like one of the last picks in that round. But maybe they could trade up for him. I don't know. I would love Davis. My pick here was linebacker slash edge defender. Don't really know what position he'll play just based off of uh, what system he goes to, but Zach Bond from Wisconsin. I like his versatility. Uh, just reading up on him and kind of watching him, he's not as athletic, but I think he's uh, comparable to Clay Matthews where he's a he's a pretty athletic linebacker and he can rush the passer. He's a can drop back in coverage and he can get after you through the blitz. So he's kind of a linebacker that's multifaceted. And he's going to be able to be kind of that Swiss Army knife on defense that a lot of teams are looking for. And he'd be a good fit, I think, out with the Rams. They lost Clay Matthews. They could kind of have a guy like Bond fill that hole. Uh, in terms of the Eagles, I don't know how great of a fit he would just be just because I feel like they're looking for more of like a three-down inside linebacker because they usually only play one linebacker, two max on most downs just because of the amount of D-backs they play. But Bond – in terms of his pass rush and his coverage ability, he's a versatile guy who I think would be welcome addition to any team, and I think he's going to be a pretty good impact player in the league uh, in the coming years. But uh, you got anything else you want to touch on for round two or round three, like a, a dark horse guy or a guy you think that might get picked a little higher? Um, I just wanted to say I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to defend Jalen Rager. As much as I, as much as I did, so yeah, I kind of hitched my wagon to him, but hope he turns out well. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where Jalen Hurts winds up. I think he's one of the more intriguing guys in the draft. Uh, if he gets taken to a team that is going to kind of use him as an offensive weapon, or a team that maybe is going to give him the chance to compete for the starting quarterback job this year, that would be interesting to see where he goes and. I think also how many running backs get taken off the board and, and running backs and receivers get taken off the board in the top 100 picks because they're both pretty deep classes. So that'll be interesting to see how the board all shakes out. Any of your uh, Mizzou, Mizzou Tigers do you think may go off the board? Uh, there's one. There's a tight end who I think I had around five or six, so that'll be tomorrow. But they got Jordan Elliott, a defensive lineman, who's uh, probably going to be around two or around three picks. So keep your eye out for him, Kevin. Uh, that, that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks for hopping on, Kev, for our first uh, NFL draft reaction pod. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like and subscribe if you, like what, if you like what you see. And enjoy the draft and stay safe out there, everybody. Go Utes.